Animal Fire Radio. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Size Up by National Fire Radio. Every episode's goal is to introduce you, our listeners, to concepts, ideas, theories, and wisdom from our unique guest. We call this a lifestyle podcast, but don't think we're only going to talk about one specific lifestyle here. Family, fashion, music, fitness, food, health, wellness, beverage, and sports all intersect in our lives in different ways. They all culminate to making us, us, and causing us to ask the question to ourselves, what's your size up? So sit back, listen in, and take notes on this episode's knowledge bombs. Now, a quick word from our sponsors. Listen up. Our friends at Mercedes Textiles want to know, how often do you check your equipment? Probably every shift, right? But this month, they aren't just talking about the hose on your engine. Even if they have been a fire hose manufacturer for over 45 years. Because that hose is not the only hose you should be doing daily checks on. April is Testicular Cancer Awareness Month. So we here at the Size Up by National Fire Radio and Mercedes want to remind you to check your equipment. Because just like water on the fire, when it comes to cancer, response time matters. Early detection saves lives. This month, Mercedes is supporting Detect Together, a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating first responders on early cancer detection. Because if found early, the survival rate of testicular cancer skyrockets to 99%. I'd say that makes it worth checking your equipment regularly. So go to responsetimematters.org to learn how to check yourself and request your free firehouse education kit. Thanks in part to Mercedes Textiles. Taylor's Tins. Taylor and his crew from Taylor's Tins have been manufacturing metal helmet fronts since 2017. With over 200,000 metal fronts in the market, they are a leader in the metal helmet front space. Their creativity, as well as customer service, sets them apart from the competition. They are manufacturing one-offs within 24 to 48 hours to ship to your door. Not only that, but head over to taylorstins.com and you'll see all the other products that they offer. Right now on their homepage, they have a whole page dedicated to vintage metal prints. It's so cool to see the original prints of the fire apparatus, fire hydrants, fire helmets, fire boots, flashlights. It's so cool. They are printed metal tins that hang on the wall that are aged and look to be from the original days of when these prints were drawn looking for copyright and trademarks. It's really cool. Taylor and his crew are super creative. They're always pushing the envelope as to what products they offer to the fire service. Check them out at www.taylorstins.com. That's, again, taylorstins.com to get a hold of Taylor and his crew. And in the words of Taylor, stop burning up leather. All right, everybody. Welcome back to uh, lucky number episode 13 here of The Size Up by National Fire Radio. But with my guest today, if I add all of my immense podcast experience to his number of podcasts that he's recorded, we're at like 768 or 769. I don't know if maybe one release that I've missed uh, recently, but I am beyond honored to have my, my friend from a long, long time ago. I even went back and looked, uh, I was on his podcast in 2017, uh, twice. I got to do a a part two. I don't know if I was the first part two, but, uh, but my good buddy, James gearing from the behind the shield podcast, man. Thanks for joining me today. 
Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, firstly, 13 is my mum's lucky number. Anything, anytime anything good happens, she's like, oh, it's 13. And she works out a mathematical equation that equals 13. Like, well, there was three eggs in that basket and there was 10 people in that car. So it's 13. So it's lucky. <laughs> so it's funny that I'm, uh, <laughs> I can tell my mum I was on number 13. Such a yeah, win. I think you came on, I think you were the first, second episode that I did. And then uh, I think we did three in the end, didn't we? You did another one later. I think I came into another one maybe like a year or two later there. I know I, I tried. So I have never asked anyone to be on their podcast before. I can, I can honestly admit that, except for one person. And it was James, because when I saw his numbers were creeping up, I was like, bro, could I be on 555? And he had already recorded it. He was up to like 562. I was, I was too late to get on that number. Um, <laughs> it would have been good, though. It would have been. We tried. We tried. It was like dumb, dumb fireman in me that, that made it so late. But, you know, so it's been a while since we've connected and the podcast is up to, like I said, seven, 755. Is that the number now? Yeah, I think, yes, yeah, 755. I'm about to put 56 out later today. Which in, in, I mean, it's 2016. You're like a podcasting OG. So let's jump back to that 2016. You know, I kind of know the backstory to it all because I was not there for the first episode, but, you know, I, I've heard it from you and we, we've talked a lot about it, but what made you want to do the podcast to begin with? I wish I could give you this amazing uplifting story about how I had this rebirth. And then I was like, all right, well now I'm going to crush it and I'm going to take black and white video and cover Instagram and inspire people and take ice baths, but it's not. Any of that. <laughs> you know, but do you, you do take ice baths, right? Do you take ice baths? No, I don't actually. It's one of the, the things that I don't, I, I've, I have dabbled a little bit. I had Wim Hof on the show. I'm like, okay, I've got to do some of that stuff before I get him on. Um, but for some reason, I don't get the same thing out of it that a lot of people do. Like I made myself do it a bunch of times and then I've swam in. Maybe what it might be actually is growing up in England, our oceans are so cold. When I used to lifeguard in London, I had to do training in like 46 degree weather. So maybe I had so much cold weather when I was younger. I'm a little bit like, yeah, about that whole ice bath <laughs> I think, thing. I think I'm, I'm good. enjoying. I, mean, I like a hot bath. I like a hot shower. So. <laughs> But uh, it is one of the things that I keep kind of circling around and trying again and again and again. But so many people have have a, a great, great experience with that specifically. But uh, it's definitely no, the my... hippest Instagram fitness trend at the moment. Um, I know for me yeah. personally, when I was uh, marathon training, like after super long runs, like 20 plus miles, the ice bath helped. Um, anything other than that, it really wasn't worth my while to get in the cold water for any amount of time there. Um, well, I mean, it's so beneficial, but what do people do in Mexico and South Africa and all these other places where there just isn't a lot of cold? Like the, the, the evolutionary element, I get the stress, but cold specifically is other ways of stressing. And I would argue, and I've talked about this on here before, if you do a lot of training, in the heat which we do in florida that's also stress you know what i mean so there's there's other ways that you can stress your body but i think the cold bath i mean i see so many so many people doing it um but i, I kind of chuckle because there used to be that phrase if a tree falls in a forest and no one sees it did it really fall and now it's like <laughs> if an ice bath happened and no one filmed it did it really happen it's not there if you didn't post that on instagram it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely more important than a crossfit workout like your crossfit workout can happen if you didn't post it on social media but your ice bath definitely you didn't get the benefits from it <laughs> exactly exactly but circling around to the origin story so kind of that tongue-in-cheek kind of you know tangent there it really came from six funerals. That's the sobering, you know, true origin story. So 
I was about 10 years into my career. I had worked in two departments, no, three departments by that time. I started in the Miami area, went to California for a few years, and I'd come back to the Orlando area. And uh, in two years, I buried six of my friends. And it wasn't one thing. It was everything from cancer. We had a guy in his young 20s, early 20s, we died, died of cancer, Carl, um, you know, heart disease, overdose, suicide. I mean, all these things that, that we see to this day. Um, but I have a background as an athlete, as a coach, as an exercise physiology major. So I knew enough to know what should be being brought to us and what wasn't being brought to us. So that was really it. And initially I started looking and uh, I just didn't find back then, six and a half years ago, a fire podcast that was really talking about the person in the uniform. Yes. We had leadership thing, we had tactics, we had operations, we had, you know, what's in your pocket, all that kind of stuff, but nothing as far as the the person. And so when, you know, they say, well, if you can't find it, that's just sign to do it yourself. That was, that was kind of it. So I was still on shift for the first two years, two and a half years, um, and then transitioned out about four years ago to, uh, yeah, to focus on this full time because I really realized that it was ultimately having more of an effect than running one call at a time. So 14 years into my career is when I transitioned out and kind of took the leap of faith. Which is so amazing, too, because, you know, we and I, I know I've said this before, too, but, you know, we're helpers, right? That's why we took this career path, this job, if you're volunteering to do it, whatever you're doing. And for you to be able to see the benefit of how many more people you're helping via the podcast and what it is you're doing versus the folks that you're helping on a call directly is just an amazing thing. And, and I can't commend you enough for it. I, I remember when you had told me you were thinking about doing it. And, and leaving, and I was like, maybe you should think about this some more. Like, <laughs> just don't, just make sure you really want to do this, right? Um, but it's unreal how many people you've reached and how many different topics you broached. And you're 100% right that in, in 2016, I feel like that was the start of kind of a change year or like error, even though we're still changing. But things have advanced a lot since then, correct? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that was really... For a lot of us, that there have been people in every single area that I talk about. There have been people in that area for a long, long time, like the mental health, you know, Tanya Glenn, Dan DeGrice. Some of these people have been talking about this for a long, long time. But I think for most of us, most of us that found ourselves kind of grabbing a topic and running with it was probably about, you know, what, eight or so years ago. There was a kind of paradigm shift and people were talking about mental health all of a sudden and um, even the kind of the decon conversation, whether there's, you know, the clean clean cab yeah, yeah. or whatever people's version interpretation of it, we started getting not just, oh, it's so sad that we die, but actually the oh, there's solutions for this now. So I think that was that was pretty cool being part of the re the renaissance as a bunch of people, whether they're writing books or guests on podcasts or starting podcasts or speaking at, at conferences, but it shifted to oh, we're gonna talk about standpipe operations again to Let's talk about mental health. Let's talk about suicide. So when I went to the Orlando Fire Conference the first time, which I forget how many years ago now, that was it. They'd lost Steve Negley, and it was it was a complete shift. So it was all around that same time. Chief Dangerfield was the one that took his own life here in Florida and then did the Facebook post that kind of went viral as well. So, uh, yeah, it was just all those things coming together at the same time. I mean, you, you had 555 going. I mean, there was just, to me... 
I, I wasn't at all the conferences. I didn't feel like I really had my finger on the pulse of the American Fire Service. I was having my own siloed experience in all the different departments I worked for. But that was when I kind of peered over the wall and saw all the people that were really trying to trying to make a difference in our profession over and above the things we already do wearing the uniform. And it's so amazing how you said that, that peered over the wall from your department, right? Because I work in a department, obviously. And, you know, there's some times where you think you're the only department that acts that way. And then when you peer over that wall, and and I just don't mean take a look, you know, when you're actually out there and hearing it and talking to people and meeting to people and getting their experience, you know, you see so much more of the same things. You see positives in your department. You see negatives in your department. You know, you see things you're doing right, things you're doing wrong. And it, when it comes to this conversation that I think we're probably going to focus this on the most today is that, like you said, that behind the shield, like the person wearing the shield. I mean, I know I've learned so much. Uh, we started 555. It'll be 10 years ago this month, the end of this month, April 29th, Larry started it. Um, it's my dad's birthday, which again, which is weirdness, just like you said about your mom in episode 13. Like you have those connections, right? But we started this thing and we were just two like lunkhead firefighters that like to work out. And I remember talking to you early about sleep deprivation and being like, I'm not sleep deprived. What are you talking about? You're crazy. And here I am realizing shortly after that, the different person I am after the shift that I just worked. And I know early on for the podcast, that was one of your probably biggest focuses in the beginning was getting that shift work changed. And where do you think we're at with that? Because I know, you know, we talk about different shifts and I I am blessed. I worked the 2472 um, and did not know much about the 2448 until I really met you and some other 555 folks. But where do you see that conversation going now as opposed to 2016, let's say? I am enthused by the fact that sleep is acknowledge and mentioned a lot more i mean whether it's you know people like myself that were in the fire service whereas people like andrew huberman and some of these other people that are putting it out through different lenses i think that that understanding is starting to go out there however like i just had a great conversation with um a one of the, the basically the wellness guru in south metro and so ahead of the curve on so many different areas still haven't addressed the shifts yet they do 4896s insanity so, so yeah. I agree with you. Forty-eight ninety-six to me sounds insanity. However, in, in talking to people out there, when they switch from twenty-four forty-eight to forty-eight ninety-six, their lives become incrementally better. So, if those are your only two options, because you're not going to put on a fourth shift, unfortunately, it's, it's you know the economics of that just aren't always going to work. Is that? a better option is it a worse option you know you're 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 more into this than i am so you tell me well so here's the problem is exactly what you just said is the issue and this is this is the knee jerk because from the proby all the way up to the chief this is the way we've been indoctrinated since the beginning so there's a phrase that i always butcher but it goes it's something like you know plant plant the seed of a tree under which the shade you'll never know meaning investing in your people you may not get that christmas bonus for that budget year being the chief operating you know the chief financial officer or the county commissioner or whatever but actually financially if you look at how much it costs to destroy the firefighters the way we do at the moment 
it would actually save you hand over fist. You think about, I mean, you probably don't see it as much because you're working 2472, which yeah. I think should be an industry standard. I'm all about 24s. I can't imagine going to work and in 12 hours leaving. I just, just done with my checkouts and training and workout by that point, you know? So it would be, I think we have to do the 24s. We already have buildings we can sleep in, even though sleep I'm doing, you know, abbreviations, air quotes. Um, but the problem is, so you have, the workman's comp claims, you know, the, the injuries, you have the, the, the mental health issues, people go into addiction centers, you have the uh, medical you know, disability, you know, you have medical retirements, you have the line of duty deaths, you have the lawsuits from when we make a mistake. You look at that giant like waterfall of wasted money and you take just some of that and you invest it in a D shift, which is what you guys have already. This is what's so crazy too. Everyone reveres the Northeast yet. No one wants to actually copy the way they work. We would actually save money hand over fist for our cities and our counties, maybe reopen some of these fucking browned out stations and closed down stations. But we're so short sighted and blinkered that at the moment it's normalized to make yourself like a rock star in a budget year. And we can't think like that. One thing that used to nauseate me is that people would say, oh, the fire, the fire service is like a business. Like I couldn't disagree more. However, if you want to look at it like a business, beautiful. Look at it like Google, look at it like Virgin, look at it like these companies that invest in their people that are hugely successful because they put their people first. And we do the polar opposite. We 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 model it like some shitty pyramid scheme, <laughs> you know, where people will be here for a year and then they're gone, you know? So this is the problem I have. The 2472 should be the conversation. I think, I don't know if I told you this in one of our conversations before, but the analogy I use for people I'll give, I'll give you two analogies. The first one is the actual conversation with the work week. We talk about 2448 or 4896 or, oh, let's come instead of, you know, instead of 7 a.m., let's come in at 7 p.m. It's a Rubik's Cube and you're spinning it and the colors are different, but the cubes are still the same size. Yeah, make we change. need to talk about making that whole cube smaller, which is what you guys have done. The other thing that I did, which, you know, again, eight years ago, I was thinking the same as everyone else until I had an aha moment, listened to someone else's podcast. Um, but I did a video, I don't know, about two months ago now to illustrate why why we're our own worst enemy and actually fighting for these work weeks that will give us the rest and recovery for us to actually thrive. And so I took three poker chips and I laid out 10 and I said, this is this is what we talk about. We, do, we say one day on two days off or we say oh we only work 10 days a month and this is the 20 this is a 56 hour a week firefighter but if you hold that poker chip the, that pile of poker chips there's three chips because a 24 isn't one day a 24 is three you know, civilian work days crammed together nine hours of the one hour lunch so, so eight hours so we work three days on or we work 30 days a month doesn't sound so amazing then now you guys work less which is my point is that's what our 56 hours um, firefighters are working. Now we also have a staffing shortage because I think the people are actually in this internet age starting to understand this is the cost of being a firefighter. For sure. And even though your call to service is amazing and I adore this profession, which is why I'm still advocating for it, even though I'm not wearing the uniform anymore. I think a lot of our younger people, the pool is getting a little smaller for the people that are able to do the job physically, mentally, but also they're researching and they're going, huh, all these hours for this little pay. And I know now because I'm a young person, you know, being 
raised in this environment that I know sleep deprivation is terrible. And look at these marriages and these divorces and everything. And I think they're weighing it up too. So you've got these 56 hour firefighters and now you've got a staffing shortage. So now where I work, oh, sorry, where I live, where I volunteered for a very short time, they periodically, like every couple of weeks are getting a mandatory. So now you're looking at an 80 hour work week. You know, so you think about, again, the cost of these, you know, even more fatigue, more fatigue, and it's growing and growing and growing. This county just had two suicides within three weeks of each other, their sixth suicide in four years. And they're not a big county. We're a very rural area. So this is why I'm so passionate about this conversation with the shifts. If we actually just take a step back and go, why is the person that bags my groceries or, you know, Gives me my bread at the bakery, topping out at 40 hours. But Pip or James, who gets toned out at 3 a.m., gets into a rig, then has to make entry and do a primary search, then maybe come out, doff their gear, and then start working a pediatric code. You're fine with them working 56-plus hours a week, being awake every third day. So we have just become so indoctrinated and believe in our own mythology that we're not understanding it to then get angry about it, to then fight for it. So every time the unions come around, oh, we're going to fight for more money. Well, how about we don't? How about this time we fight for more people? Because that in turn is going to give us a much better quality of life. And then, you know, then maybe you'll have the clear thinking and the clear mind to start being an entrepreneur and doing something that you love on the side that then ultimately one day might be something that you transition to when you're ready to leave the fire service. It's a total different way to look at this. And they're definitely, I know, in, uh, you know, my father is going to listen to this and yell at me because I'm going to get it wrong, but I'm fairly certain it was the early 60s that we went from like a three platoon system to a four platoon system. Um, and that has been how it's been. You know, when I started, I did 10s and 14s. We didn't do the 24s. Um, and then we got those. Um, and now we've been able to prove to to our administrators that as long as we have the appropriate amount of staffing on each shift, we can function as a very effective fire department. You know, and that, that's a big thing where you can't um, run a department without enough people because you're just going to wear your people out. And I think that's one of the things, like you said in there, that we're seeing on top of the sleep deprivation, on top of the physical toll. Um, I mean, currently I have two firefighters right now that were injured at firefighters or injured at, injured at fires. You know, those things happen. You know, our job is dangerous. We're going to lose someone. Um, like one, one, uh, one firefighter had a hernia. You know, he's not going to be at work. He can't come to work. Even if he comes to work on light duty, he's not really helping us in a way when we well, need him me, to. Let me interject in that because that's a very important point to underline as well. You are all about the fitness side. I'm all about the fitness side. John Spira talks about, you know, would you want you rescuing you? I always say, how would you feel if your family died because the rescuer hadn't trained? That to me is even more sober. And forget yourself. Think about the people that you adore. And that person didn't make it up that stairs or they couldn't force that door or they couldn't hold the tools long enough to cut that B post and get your child out before they bled to death. These are very sobering things. So it's important that we do the operational training and the fitness training. And I'm almost 50 now and I still, you know, work out four or five times a week because just because I'm not wearing a uniform doesn't mean I'm not going to roll up on something and my strength might save someone, you know? So to me, I'm going to carry that till I die. But 
in order for you to gain the benefits from exercising, you need rest and recovery because you, you heal, you grow when you sleep. Anyone's got into bodybuilding back in the day, they were always napping. You know, that's when not only do we heal as far as the strength side, but also when you're training, when you're learning, you process learning when you are asleep, deep sleep, restorative sleep. So when you get told, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this would have heard this, I know I have, oh, it's always the fit guys that get hurt. Yes, and there's a physiological reason for that. And that is the problem. We're not even giving our men and women the environment that take their job seriously, that train hard to actually recover. So fast forward 10 years of sleepless nights and you taking your training seriously, something will break. I had meniscus tears on both knees and a back injury. I did yoga. I did all kinds of stuff. But in the back injury, I was able to rehab with movement. You know, the the menisci, menisci would that be the plural? They both of all of them, snip, but that was it. <laughs> of, of both of them, you've got you've gotten rid of both of them. So not, I mean, there's part there's parts of them there, but you know, having them snip. So, but that's my point: is even with hernia, whatever, if you're not able to, and the hernia might be, you know, um, a, a it could have been there. It could have been anything. Yeah. It could have been. Yep. But I mean, all the back injuries, knee injury, shoulder, everything else that you see people get over and over again, especially the people that do take their training seriously, it's a foregone conclusion. And that's yet another reason why we have to look at us as tactical athletes. No player in the NFL, NBA, you know, Premier League would be told, yeah, you don't need to sleep tonight. You know what I mean? That is paramount in these professional sports. If I'm just getting someone on coming on very soon who works with sports and we're going to talk about exactly that but even from a performance standpoint as well as the mental acuity and the longevity just being able to stay fit and stay mobile and stay agile you know which carries into the fire ground because if you hurt your back halfway up a building now you become the one they rescue and the person you were supposed to be getting burns to death so these are all part of the same conversation yeah, that, that injury cycle is, is just vicious. If it happens on a scene, if it happens especially early on on a scene, it can just, it's going to change that entire scene depending on the injury, where the person is, and could possibly injure more people trying to help that person. Because again, we're not, we're wearing over a hundred pounds of gear in a IDLH in a superheated environment that's dark and there's stairs that you've never been on and there's eight million different things going on. Um, and that that all plays into it. And I know we're, we're, we're talking about everything here, but we're still on the, the scheduling wise end of it, too, because those days off, I don't think as a young firefighter, I didn't appreciate my days off. I went and worked EMS all night and partied on the other nights and did all kinds of things. But as I uh, am not as close to 50 as you are, my friend. But I am valuing my sleep. And there are nights where it's 9 o'clock at night. I mean, I worked yesterday. Um, I was on the car. And we, we did not have a crazy tour. You know, we had a very mellow tour. Um, but it's still not sleep that I'm getting. You know, uh, I, our neighbors were partying. and uh, Or someone in our neighborhood had an Easter party last night that, like, I had the, the uh, Mexican Dick Clark screaming till about 2 a.m. outside the window where I was just like, this guy's nuts. I mean, we, we had a mutual aid fire at 3 a.m. and I, I had to bring uh, another firefighter out to the engine there and he was still going strong. Um, so it's not, it's sleep, it's rest. It's not sleep. Like I'm going to get tonight and I'm probably at my age and my you know, knowledge of, of myself at about 9, 9.30, I'm going to be in bed tonight for sure. Well, speaking of quality of sleep, this is the other 
you know thing that I think a lot of people don't understand. For you to get into true deep restorative sleep, you need to be able to completely relax. And when you're at a station where the tones are going to go off at any moment, and it could be an absolute bullshit, you know, tummy ache, or it could be something catastrophic, you're not going to ever get into a deep restorative sleep in a fire station. You're not. Ever. And we now have some people that, you know, find themselves there and we're banging on the door. Hey, hey you know, <laughs> cat, wake up. We got to go. I've had one that I swear he was dead. He ended up waking up, but I gave him everything but a sternal rub to get that guy to wake up. But, you know, we don't periodically get good sleep, which is why you have those. I never had a goose egg my whole career, but I had some nights where I didn't have to run a call. And I still felt like shit the next morning because yeah. you don't get a great night's sleep. And the analogy I use for people, I'm like, that aren't in the fire service, those big symbols they have in the orchestras, you know, the one in each hand, they smash them together. I'm like, imagine if someone stood by your bed and they said, I may or may not smash these in your ears tonight. How well would you sleep? Yep. That's it. You know what I mean? That is a, Especially literally if you did it once, you know, so you're not going to get into a deep sleep. So that's the thing is the only place we're really going to sleep well is once we get home, if we don't have parties and kids and all that stuff, keeping us awake too. Yeah. And that, that's the other thing, right? So you come home from your shift and listen, hopefully you can catch a nap, you know, can catch that safety nap. But a lot of folks are doing, you know, both parents work. My wife works, you know, luckily the boys are, are older now, so they're pretty much doing their thing. But you know, you're the, you become the parent again and you're the parent for that time off, whether it's 48 hours, 72 hours, 96 hours, whatever you have going on. And then you're right back into the fray. Um, I think with the 4896, that those days matter, you know, definitely because I've done, we do uh, mutual swaps. So it's, it's almost like you do, if you do a, when you do a mutual for someone on a full tour on the force platoon system, you do 24 on, 24 off, 24 on, 24 off, 24 on again. By that third 24, I'm glad I'm back with my own crew. Let's put it that way. I'm not with the opposing shift that I don't really ever work with, but you're pretty spent by that point. Um, but I think the realization and us talking about this, like you said, it's the same with fitness. The more that we talked about it and the more that people were putting stuff out there like a John Spira or like an O2X and the more all these things were coming to light, the more people started taking it seriously and making as many small changes as they could to make it better. Yeah. And even, I mean, you know, I remember this being a conversation between you, me and John was the whole, you know, do you work out in gear? Do you not? And and even that, that's great dialogue yeah. because now we're realizing, forget you ever saw a fire. My last department, I finished up my career with protected Disney world and I think I saw one fire the whole time, one legit fire. I mean, we went on calls, but, you know, smoking mattress or something, but nothing you'd call a fire. And so your gear was pretty damn clean. But now you think about PFAS and these forever chemicals that we've got in our gear, and now you're sweating that. So, you know, I think sometimes you just have to, you know, you cannot heat acclimatize without it. And, you know, I know that there's some other things you can wear to kind of simulate it that maybe isn't your actual gear. And that's another great option, too. But, you know, you, you, uh, you, I've lost my train of thought for a second. Sorry. <laughs> you, you need you, to move in your gear, right? For sure. I, yeah. I, I, I'm to the point where, like, to do a bottle breathe down where we're doing some firefighter tasks that are getting our heart rate up, that are getting us moving, getting us acclimated to that extra heat and that feeling. 
that's a big deal. You know, you, you need to keep that going every now and again. Um, what we've learned in the past 10 years about the, the PFAS, like you said, and, and just there's so many things that are involved now that weren't there when I started 20 years ago. Um, yeah. Well, even the phone, AFFF has got yeah. PFAS in as well. But then you go and, you know, you cook and the Teflon in your pan has it. And I mean, you know, we're surrounded by this stuff. So that's, again, the other part of the cancer conversation. You know, there was this whole thing with the clean cab and I had the Swedish guys on. Phenomenal. I love the work they do. And I think a lot of it makes perfect sense. And I think people have disregarded that concept thinking it's supposed to be some sterile surgical cab. Yeah. No, you know, you, you want to get as much shit out as you can is, is what they're saying. And if you can't throw your gear on in a few seconds, if you do get a call, then maybe you need to practice putting your gear on because I've never seen anyone fly off a fire engine straight into the front door of a structure without taking time, getting their tools, doing a size up, being told, you know, what the instructions are from the lieutenant or the captain. So this whole, you know, clean cabs, uh, stops, grabs, all that's bullshit. That's egomaniac, narcissist bullshit. I can tell you being a tillerman on a truck in California where we couldn't wear our pack back there, that you have time to throw your fucking pack on. So that stuff nauseates me. But I think with the cancer conversation, what was missing was, you know, wiping, yeah, wipe yourself down and clean your gear and all that stuff. It makes perfect sense. It's just obvious, totally obvious. Even your radio strap, something Dustin Hawkins talked about. Yeah. If you had a leather radio strap, that's against your throat 24-7. Think about that too. Um, and if you're looking for an alternative, safer straps is amazing. It's something that's the, or, the origin story of that, just uh, Dustin's wife's cancer, and he's a firefighter, is, is, you know, you talk about understanding the why. I mean, it's an amazing product because he gets it because it happened to him. But the resilience element of cancer why are we getting so much cancer? Well, because your immune system, if functioning well, can tolerate a lot of things, a lot of insults. But if our immune system starts getting beaten down, and again, sleep deprivation is a huge element of that. Now we're more susceptible to the cancers, the heart disease, and even fucking COVID. You know, who are we going to put on the front line? The most sleep deprived people we have working. In <laughs> you know? extra sleep deprivation because we were doing more calls and doing more. Yeah. yeah. So... FDIC is coming up in a couple of weeks, and I'm super excited to bring the size up by National Fire Radio to the show. It's always so cool to see literally all the firefighter stuff in one place. I always make it a point to swing by the Hikes Footwear booth because one, I love shoes. Two, I love shoes. And three, they give out free backpacks the first two days of the show. And who doesn't love a good bag? Am I right? Plus, I hear they're coming out with a state-of-the-art structural booth that's going to be a game changer. I'm super excited to check those out and get one of those free backpacks. I hope to see you there. Exactly. Until we then, then we find a vaccine, then we fire them all for not taking it because they're <laughs> selfish and murderers. That's a whole other conversation. But, but yeah, I mean, if you've got to have that resilience, you know, so with cancer or mental health, one of the huge elephants in the room that's never discussed on those two topics is how do we make the person healthier and stronger? And if we're not looking at sleep, we're missing a massive piece of the puzzle. For sure. And and, and that like prevention, just seeing seeing all the changes that I've seen personally that, that we do in my department and, and everyone, not, I don't know if everyone is doing it because I, I've still been to firehouses without a, uh, a clean air system for the rig, which we've had in my department since the 80s, which I was like, holy cow, we're well ahead of the game when I see someone without that now. Um, Do you have the hose? Yeah, yeah, the connector hose. Yeah. My last place, they 
I think they got rid of the hoses or they were pitched. But anyway, it was a box that sat on the ceiling instead. And it was terrible because it all the, the diesel fumes have to go past everyone before they even get to this box. Oh, I and see what you're the, saying. The bay yeah. doors have to be down. It was ridiculous. So I've had Plyme event for years. Yeah, that's what we have. To me, that makes the, perf- yeah, makes the most sense. Stick a giant straw over the exhaust and blow it outside. You know, so yeah, I mean, if you're not using that in 2023, then shame on you. I mean, we, we hook it up on the way back in now, you know, like even that it's like, what's the sense of getting any of as much as we can keep out of here, the better we can do is the easiest way mm-hmm. to put it. Because, you know, my fire, my station was built in 26, I think 1926 is what it says. So we're almost at a hundred years, you know, our gear is in the bay still. We have an open stairwell. We have two open pole wells. They're just... I couldn't even imagine if they tried to close all of that stuff off. The cost factor, the time factor, you know, whatever you could think of. Would it be a great idea? Sure. But we can do a bunch of other things to prevent that, you know, like having the Plymo vent system, washing your gear. I mean, I just, and you know, I'm, I'm going to make myself look really bad here, but we had a little dryer fire the shift, two shifts ago. Um, and When I was on the car yesterday, I took my helmet down to put it in the car. And when I was putting in the car, I went, wow, I should have washed my helmet after that last dryer fire because it was, you know, being shorter, I could be below most of the smoke plume that a lot of the other guys get to to be in. But my helmet was messy and I never cleaned it yesterday. So my next shift when I go in, I got to I got to give that a good wipe just from that little simple thing. It's like you said, like a food on the stove call with the Teflon in it. You know, my first five, ten years on the job, we didn't wear air packs that food on the stove. So it was just mm-hmm. smoke, right? Now we know that that smoke is more toxic than a house fire. Yeah, exactly. And you think about one of the biggest things I saw complacency in was dumpster fires. The one thing where all the shit is put in one container and and is burning, and you're just going to stand on the outside with an inch and three quarter lobbing water into it. You know, while you're breathing all that crap, and it might explode in your face too. So that's what I saw a lot. The moment you were out of a structure, it was like, oh, we're fine. No, car fire, not fine. And even with the car fires, I mean, that's been, I I don't know if I'm just completely misunderstanding car fires, but after 14 years, I go back to Fire Academy. Class A was wood and paper, Class B was oil based. Well, you look at a car apart from the steel frame, that's a Class B fire. The gas, the tires, the seats. And yet we never use foam on it. We just chase it around with water and it burns and burns and burns and we breathe more and more and more. So in Anaheim, they had the class B plumbed, pre-plumbed. And again, now obviously you've got to acknowledge the whole, you know. <laughs> There's AC, a whole uh, different debacle in that PFAS, story. Yes. Yeah. PFAS in it. But, <laughs> yes. You know, a lot of the stuff that we were taught, it's like, why not just lob foam on a car fire? You know, just suffocate it and then and it all stops them. But Number of car fires I've seen where they've used a whole tank, they've chased, you know, gas down the street when it's on fire, going towards a drain. And, you know, it's 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 funny. We do some things we do because that's how we were shown to do it. And you take a step back and you go, Why? Why am I not wearing a pack for a dumpster fire with all this shit that's in there? You know, why am I standing close to a car fire where no insurance company in the world is ever gonna, you know, there's no saving anything in there. It's yeah. written up. It's it's a trash fire. It's a trash fire wheel. So unless you're trying to get someone out and hold back the flames, there's nothing to save. So there's nothing. That's why it makes me laugh. Oh, we had a kick-ass house fire in an Instagram post. I, I had, I had a, I saw a tire on fire. Should I post that too? Like, there's nothing. It's you all, didn't save anything. It's all that was anything. there. I don't like, understand like with, with, with car fires. In, in a car fire. 
I thought with car fires, you're going to go, there's still folks out there not wearing their air packs on car fires. And I can't fathom that. I've never, we've never in my department, it's always been a car fire. You have your pack on a dumpster fire. You have your pack on, um, Mm -hmm. as you should. It's just one of those things that when you still see folks doing that, I'm like, who wants to breathe in what's burning in that car or who knows what's burning in that car? Um, I mean, the amount of airbag explosions now, just in the time since you've been off the job, the airbags have quadrupled in cars. Every one of them is exploding while you're near it. I don't want that touching my face, uh, no. much less breathing any of it in. But Well, and the electrics, too. Yeah, well, that, that's a whole different all debacle, too. and things that are burning now. So. Yeah, thermal runaway, a uh, big topic in the fire service these days. Mm-hmm. I have not had the, uh, have not had one of those yet. I'm going to knock on everything, even though now I moved over to the truck. I, I think... That's a full alarm for my department. If we have an electric vehicle, at least until we can stabilize the incident, we're going to send it everybody. Or at least I know if I'm on the car, I'm sending everybody if I hear that until we figure out what's happening. Um, because again, it's it's new and it's things we're learning about, but it's the same as, as, as going back to our, our main topic about us and the health and wellness of it all. You know, it was only maybe three, five years ago where we started doing more air monitoring after fires for CO. And just the other night I still had my mask on and I'm like, all right, bring a CO meter up here. Let's check the apartment before we let inspections in before we take our masks off. Um, which is another thing that you're just sucking stuff in when you don't even know it. Yeah. And even CO that's one gas. Yeah. That's all you're monitoring. All the other ones are like, you know, they're not registering. So because I we were there with Anaheim, they did the same thing. And it was progressive then. We're talking got 15 years ago now yeah. and they were doing that. But there should be a downgrade system where right now, you know, we're overhaul. Here's a filtrate filtration mask, not a full SCBA you gotta carry around while you while you're, you know, pulling ceiling yeah. and pulling furniture out. But let's continue to filter the air. If you were in any sort of manufacturing plant with that kind of gas or you know um particles floating around you would be given those masks but in the fire service we're like well the fire's out <laughs> we're good we're good, we're good. <laughs> even though we, we teach everybody about off-gassing and you watch it happen in the in the fire tetrahedron and we're still watching things in front of you off-gas like oh look at that thing steaming you know what's it mm-hmm. giving off because we don't even know what that thing is anymore right when, no. when, when we go back to the you know i put my mustache over my my mouth and go in and fight the fire because I'm a man with hip boots and rode the back step. You know, you could look over and be like, oh, that wooden couch is on fire right now. I mean, who, I don't even know what my couch is made of. I'm afraid to know what my couch is made of, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, I think if I'm not mistaken, all furniture has PFAS in too, you know, so you got all these, all these things now. So, you know, at some point, of course, you don't want to wear an SCB around for everything. Same way with, you know, the whole COVID thing, there's time and place for a a well-fit mask, for example, and this time where you just have to, you know, get on with it. But we have to assume the worst in a lot of the ideal age environments that we work in these days, because my whole career, I was, you know, I'm 14 years and I started to uh, the academy 2002, 2003. So, you know, a pretty short career compared to a lot of people. But from day one, all that stuff was in the house. We were already in those fires where they burn X amount times faster yeah. now. So no one really... You know, like unless they've been on forty plus years, can say, "Oh, back in my day, no." Like modern, it's like the EMS side as well. Like modern fire service, for most of us, has always had EMS. So stop beating your chest saying you're a firefighter and EMS is not for you. Like, no, this is 
you came to save lives, you know, and it's the That's same what you're thing. doing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We have to reverse engineer. We were always told to wear an SCBA, but now we have to take that incredible innovation and the things that those generations fought for to protect us. And we have to level up. Okay. I have this tool. When should I actually be using it? Should I be right on a, on a, on a fully involved car fire with the tires or the suspension or the batteries could blow up and I die for a metal frame. You know, we have to kind of le- add what we got in the academy and what we got from our department and take a step back and go, how can we do this even better? Because of, like I said, as I transitioned out, I look back now and go, you know, people ridicule that giant tarp that you can throw over a car fire. Sure. Yeah. Oh, but, but it worked. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't got one, but in the videos, if you and I could just grab a tarp, throw it over on the side of a freeway, and now it's out and we can get the hell out of that way, that traffic, which is what kills most of us anyway. I think that's a good thing. It's not, <laughs> not going to look good on Instagram, but it works. You that's don't have to I'm pack hose again. You don't have to, like you said, I mean, the, the traffic accidents are just weekly now that you're seeing police officers, firefighters, paramedics getting hit for sure hit weekly. If not, I can't even imagine how many we don't know about. Um, and then the death rate of that is just unreal. So the sooner you could get out, the better. Um, we were just talking at work about those uh, a shift or so ago because you know we're we're not close to the border of New York, but the Port Authority um, for New York and New Jersey they have they have emergency responders uh, that are firefighter EMTs. They go into the tunnels um, when they have a car fire in the tunnel or an accident, and their plan now with those tarps is to go into the tunnel, throw the tarp over the car, hook the car with the tow truck that they have and pull it right out of the tunnel. So that's two wins. One, they're not operating in the tunnel so they can get out. And two, the rest of us can just drive to wherever we need to go because we're more important than everyone else when you're trying to get through that tunnel to get to the city or to get back to New Jersey. So it's a win-win for everybody in that that strategy. Yeah. Well, even, I mean, you just kind of gave me a, a vision as well. I've shared some amazing videos of, citizens that have come across a wreck and someone's trapped underneath and they all get together and they yeah. pick up the car and they pull you think about almost like the the over safety that's also come along through our career like sometimes with those airbag evolutions you know crib as you go and this and that four big lads men or women sometimes you can just pick the side of that car up pull that bloody person out and, and get on with it you know so is this sometimes i look at it the other way and be like some we've overcomplicated if it's someone's completely entangled underneath and you got to buy time and you know then i totally understand it but it, they don't really teach like sometimes you're just gonna have to freaking yeah you're just gonna have to go same way There's... as the police officers that smash the car windows and drag someone out they don't teach that in the fire academy we get written up for that if not fired they get medals but you know so that's the other side is sometimes i feel like we're so um i forget the word now but you know, we, we, we got so much inbuilt safety that sometimes it gets in our own way and, and, and reduces our ability to be able to just simply act. We have to be safe. We don't want to kill ourselves or someone else in the process. But, you know, do you really need, you know, 12 belay lines and 15 people to go over the ridge? Or do you do like FDNY and sometimes you just have to fucking tie a rope on a guy and throw him over the side of the building? I mean, that mm-hmm. that's it. And that's, you know, I think what we've seen in, in that over safety whichever way you want to call it kind of idea is just, they're taking that human element out that you just can't, you know, there, there's a reason why we have leaders in the fire service on the scene because they have to make the call and you want your organization to back them on that call. And it may not be a hundred percent the way the book that 
someone wrote or the policy that someone wrote wanted it done. And it doesn't mean someone should do it again. And it may mean that that person needs to be corrected, let's say, in, in a meeting or something or along those lines. But we have to keep that human element in mind where, like you said, if a police officer comes up to a car and it's on fire, they're going to break the glass and pull the person out. You know, now, at the same time, we don't want that same police officer running around a house fire and breaking every window looking in for people because they're just going to make the house fire worse. So it's that strange kind of we're stuck in the middle here of how we're going to be. Um, but if we keep the focus on our people again, that's what this is all about. Right. You have to know your person, not just as a uniform, not just as a helmet. And it's just like the boss looking at one of their maybe unhealthier folks and trying to help them get better, not tell them they're unhealthy, but give them the tools and the the proper things they need to get better. So have you seen that change happening to you where more and more, even if it's not at a, a department level, but it's at a leadership level, the leader is saying, let's try this or let's do that to make ourselves healthier. Have have I seen that in my career? And you, well, in your podcasting, you know, just in your journey through behind the shield, you know, with this change happening, are you seeing people adopt some of the things that you're talking about on the podcast? Oh, I mean, yeah, because the people, yeah, my podcast is about the guests. So the so the, wait, wait, let's go back. I, maybe I have a better way to say this. So your podcast, you bring on guests that are talking about their expertise, and a lot of their expertise actually isn't in emergency service workers. It's just in, because again, we are all just people. You know, the person behind the shield is just a regular person with a heart that beats and blood that circulates through their body, you know, two kidneys, a spleen, you know, all that kind of stuff like everyone else. So a lot of your guests are actually coming from the medical community or from the mental wellness community. And I guess that's more of what I'm looking at. Are you seeing people take that and realizing it's about a person and not necessarily the responder. Maybe that's a yeah, better way yeah, to put Yeah, no, it. exactly. Thank you for, for clarifying. But um, yeah, I think that's that's exactly it. So I started this whole thing just to be a library. Like I said, everything is free. Everything is sitting out there. I've you know, never discontinued any episodes or anything. So 755 episodes you have access from around the world. But what I've, the way I've kind of conducted the podcast is almost like a court case. So if you were going to prove to the world that sleep is important, that, you know, holistic eating, you know, food without chemicals and hormones, all that stuff is more beneficial to you, that moving is better than an activity. You know, I mean, all these basal things, a lot of us understand that are in the wellness world, but you actually want to make a case. So, for example, the sleep side, I've had, you know, sleep experts from the Navy SEAL community, Doc Parsley, Alison Brager from the Army, um, Rachel Markwell from the Navy, um, you know, Air Force, you know, I mean, you name it, all different genres, different backgrounds, because that's just it. I wanted to go outside of our profession. What I kept seeing in the fire service, of course, there's going to be some people that are experts in all kinds of things, but as an organization, we would have, for example, oh, Pip, you want to be our fitness trainer? We're going to send you to a two-day course and you can come back as our fitness guru. Now, I don't Certified. know any other profession where you go away for two days and you come back as a fucking expert. And it doesn't work in fitness. It doesn't work in mental health. It doesn't work in anything. Is, it a, is anything. it a good tool? Is it a good step? Absolutely. But the problem is we're like, right, check. Now we have a trainer. Check. Now we have a peer fitness, a peer, um, peer, they call it, Peer counselor. You're right. Peer fitness 
You're, you're talking fitness, or you're talking uh, like a um, no, no peer, sorry, med- peer support, that's peer support, yeah, peer yeah. support counselor. Um, you know, so uh, we've checked the boxes: a fitness check, you know, mental health check. I wanted to go to the real experts, the people that have dedicated their entire lives to this one topic: neuroscience, nutrition, fitness, you know, psychology, and pull from them because especially when you create a free library, like it doesn't cost you a penny. All you got to do is just hit play and you can listen, you can share your whole department, you know, all these things. So that was really it. And yes, what I'm seeing now is more and more. I mean, the, the podcast has been downloaded almost 5 million times. Wow. So that tells me that people are getting a lot out of these guests, you know, which is phenomenal. And it just, you know, that's, there's no better compliment than knowing that you've connected an expert with someone who needed to hear their work. And that's that's it. Mic drop. So but yeah, I am seeing a lot more discussion now on, you know, on the sleep, on the mental health and not just the mental health, like psychedelic retreats and all these kind of areas that we expand on. Mental health isn't, oh, you can go talk to someone, you'll feel better. There's an entire freaking toolbox from equine therapy to EMDR to MDMA led counseling to surfing and diving and, you know, rucking and you name it. There is an absolute gamut of ways for you to find your best fit to start addressing your trauma, which will be a combination of a few probably. So by creating this immersive experience now is 750. Now people can not only go, well, I think sleep's kind of bullshit, but I've just heard someone from the army, the Navy, the they've all said the same thing. Maybe actually I need to question the way I thought. And then, you know, what I love as well is that now I'm able to send people episodes almost like homework like ah, i'm thinking about ketamine but i'm kind of scared all listen right to this. There you yeah. go. Go 682 listen to this. right here i got you ketamine <laughs> yeah exactly so so that's what's really cool so I'm, I'm kind of gone all over the place but having all these great people now as a as a encyclopedia britannica for first responders and being able to immerse them and basically allow them to find their own rabbit hole their path to whatever it is they're looking for I'm hearing and seeing over and over again that this is the information that we need because we have some great people in our department, but the world is a much bigger than our city or our yeah. county. And once you have the humility to kind of ask people outside, it's amazing, amazing the great minds out there that have solutions to our problems. And like you said, you, you can't possibly fix this one way. And I think, again, that's something else we're learning about this issue, just I don't know, it's just about firefighting, you know, that everybody is different and everyone's going to respond differently to different therapies and they're going to respond differently to different traumas. And this call may affect me this way. This call may affect you that way. But when you have, like you said, literal Encyclopedia Britannica that you can go to of these experts and get a little more info and a little more info. And then if I share that info with someone else, who knows, They, I may be listening to Behind the Shield because of the sleep issues but someone else goes and they're like, oh, no, you know, I keep having these nightmares about this call or I want to know more about a different kind of fitness or a different style of eating, which we didn't even talk about eating in this whole podcast and how important that is. Well, that'll be on, on the next one because we're getting close on time and you dropped something in like the 10 minute mark here that I wrote down and I want to go back to it because there is definitely a recruitment problem within the emergency services now to police fire EMS that did not exist. At least I, at least I didn't feel it existed 25 years ago when I was trying to get on this job. I felt like I was competing with 
you know, everyone and their brother to get hired. And now it seems like we're almost begging people to take our job. And you mentioned about the folks doing their research and how are we going to turn this back into that appealing job? It was for us, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So firstly, I think the Marion County where I am now, that's what the chief said to me. Well, the problem, how can we do a D shift? We can't even get people now. And I've had so many people say this. I was like, well, have you ever asked why you can't get people now? I, if you look at most departments are struggling like that, you will see normally a revolving door element. So a lot of the bigger cities, mm-hmm. counties, if they don't pay well, if they don't give the rest and recovery, you'll see them come. You'll spend 15 grand training them, equipping them. And then a year later, they'll get a probation and then they'll piss off to some other department. Thanks for all the training. Thanks for the paramedic certification. I'm off now. So you have to ask, why are they leaving in the first place? And the thing is, if you went, just put it in another job. You know, if you went there and there was two jobs you're going to go for and one paid a decent wage and, you know, they had good time off and some benefits. And the other one was a, you know, factory job where you're going to work 60 hours a week in, in a dark closet in the corner. Which one are you going to choose? The one that looks better, For you sure. know, the say it's the same exact job, you know? So now you've got the purpose of being a firefighter and you want to serve beautiful. I want to serve. I wanted to be a firefighter. Oh shit. Look at those hours. Look at, you know, all these things. Well, I can do this other job where I'll still be serving and look at, you know, I get to come home every night and, you know, I get all this time off. So it's not so much about, because that sounds almost like self-serving, but it's people are realizing that they can make the world better in a number of ways. But because the fire service in a lot of departments has devolved, not all, there's some great people out there that are taking good care of their people, but a lot of them have devolved. And where I am now, Orange County, where I used to work, um, you know, it's 56 hour work week, no Kelly day, paid like shit. Um, understaffed so you literally and this is why i left that one you get there you know 7 a.m and they'd be like you can't go home i was divorced i was a single dad like you can't tell me i can't go to my child i'm the only person that he has so i literally had to leave because they were mandatory us so much it was affecting my little boy so you know all these things people are smart now people are able to do the research the same way as you can listen to behind the shield and hear the truth unfiltered from all these people if you research the fire service now, it's not just the goldennuggets.com telling you how to ace your test. You know, it's the real, the raw, the good, the bad, the ugly. You, you Google firefighter in your local town, the first thing that might pop up would be a number of suicides they've had. Yeah. You know, so this is the problem. But there is a solution. It's just investing in your people. But like I said, you've got to play the long game. You can't think that you're going to fix this overnight. But at the same time, you can't procrastinate. You have to start today as well. But if you actually created a good work week, a good environment, you paid your firefighters a wage where they don't have to work two or three other fucking jobs just to pay their mortgage, you would turn this around completely. But we've misprioritized. Who was everyone screaming for two years ago? First responders, you know, and then how quick they forget couple of years after 9-11 you know people start dying and the benefits start going away a couple of years, you know, year after covid people are firing first responders because they were too selfish to have the vaccine you know so this is the culture that we're in but the other thing that i see apart from investing in the people and understanding that's going to save money long term is you've got to keep that bar set high i've asked so many leaders in the military and other areas my observation was anaheim my what I would consider the best department I work for, 
their bar was high and they would lose 25% of each probationary class through attrition. If you couldn't make it, they had testing at four, eight, and 12 months. If you couldn't make it, thank you so much. Don't take it personally. I'm sure other places will have you. You're just not right for us. I love that because God, did you feel proud when you made it through that year? But if you lower that bar, not only are you increasing the chance that someone's going to make an epic mistake that will cost lives, but the, the lines go away because people like you, people like me want to be challenged. You don't go to the, you know, you, oh, you heard on the street, that's the worst department. I'm going to go test for there. Oh, that one's really hard. You'll never get in there. Yeah. And they have this fitness standard. They, they require this. Oh, really? I'll fucking show you. I'm going to go get hired <laughs> over there. That's what creates cues out the door. And so this is, I think, what I've seen. Anaheim, I tested against a thousand certified firefighters, and they were also EMTs or paramedics. Ambulance experience, wildland experience, their resumes were stacked. A thousand of us for 30 spots. The last place I worked for, I don't know if they're, they're you know, hiring applications that are actually eligible get into double figures. It's pathetic. But their, their bar is so low, you have to dig a trench to find it. So I've seen it from both ends. You yeah, know, and that for sure. carries through to a fucking awful fire department outside of that. Whereas you set the bar high, you have great firefighters, great engineers, great captains, you know, et cetera, et cetera. If you have zero expectations and it's 18 and a heartbeat, then some of those people are phenomenal, but some of those aren't. And we all know that usually the bad ones scurry up that ladder as fast as they can because they don't want to be on the fire ground. They don't want to be on a rescue. And now they're wearing bugles, you know. So to me, you set that bar high, you invest in your people because that's the pay. That's what you get paid for. I'm going to ask you to be a phenomenal firefighter and paramedic. And I'm going to pay you really well and give you the rest and recovery you need. But if you can't reach this bar, you're not the right fit for us. That is the mentality that we need to have. We need to support our men and women, but we also need to put that bar back. The number of special forces, special operations, incredible tactical athlete, you know, war fighters that I had on the show, they say we hold police and fire to our standard. And you've got to remember when they're overseas, you know, whoever it is you revere, when they're overseas deployed, who do you think is protecting their family? We are. So let that sink. Totally in. different way to even look at something like that. When when you think about how many people hold them to such a higher level, and then you always have to ask yourself, am, am I holding myself to that level? Right? Because the same as they are asking that question to themselves, you know, how am I holding myself to this level? How is my department holding this myself to this level? And again, even if your department is not holding you to that level. There's nothing that says you can't be doing it for yourself, that you can't be doing it for your crew. You know, and it's not about doing it perfectly every single time. It's about doing it better every single time, at least in, in my estimation, that we can always be better. Um, we could always be looking to be healthier, be fitter, be faster, be a student. A student of the job is probably my favorite saying after I became an officer. When I was a firefighter, I didn't quite go for it as much, I guess, even though I was always learning. But once I became an officer and started to look at every situation a lot differently, that student of, and it's almost what you've done with the podcast, is being a student of life, right? That's that Encyclopedia Britannica that you've put out there is how to be a student of life. And if you can just take a dart and throw it at a number and listen to that episode that you hit, like throw the random number generator in, and now I'm going to listen to 428. I'm sure I could learn something about life from that one episode. 
Well, yeah, two things. So firstly, another thing that we didn't touch on because it didn't come out, the number of people that have come on the show that have told their story. And so many people have just incredible stories. Some of them, that was kind of the reason they came on. And a lot of them, like a perfect example, Dan John, who's a strength and conditioning guru. Um, he came on for the first 40 minutes of an hour and a half conversation. He talked about the multi-generational trauma in his family. His dad, I think, was World War II vet. His brother was a Vietnam vet. So, I, you know, I brought him on because we were going to talk lifting and we ended up talking mental health. You know, so it's that's the other thing is, as you talked about, you may listen to this because you're going to learn about nutrition, but then it ends up going on some weird ways. And now you add that element too. So that storytelling element, I think, is so important that, you know, we that that's why you know you and i were talking before about the length of the conversation some of those short short um podcasts that are out there and they hyper edit it to the point there's almost not a break between the question and the answer you, know, go, they yeah, just splice and splice. you can spit out a bunch of facts but you're not really connecting because like i listen to a lot of podcasts to prepare i listen to other people's podcasts and try and credit the ones that i've heard people on so that i, I can that get too. a you know, get a taste and get some ideas oh, i want to ask them this they didn't kind of fully expand on that so I love podcasts and I love the longer form ones, but like an hour, like this one is is, is a good, good um, uh, length. But when you just do that, oh, I just want the highlights, you know, give me the cliff notes. Yep. Well, you're not going to, you're not going to connect with the cliff notes. Take the time, take an hour and a half or whatever, and listen to this person actually lead you through their journey. And it's amazing how much you retain when you're actually connecting in a story rather than a PowerPoint presentation or, you know, whatever, which is why some of the mental health stories on here on my show have been so, so powerful. And I've watched lots of mental health presentations. This is how many we lose. This is, you know, how many were male. This is how, you know what I mean? That doesn't change the way you think. But when you listen to someone who you admire incredibly, they were an NHL goalie, they were a Navy SEAL, SEAL Team 6, and they're actually in tears talking about what they went through. And you're like, fuck, I thought I was the one that was, you know, thinking that way. I thought I was being a pussy, you know, and now you realize that one of the most dangerous people on the planet went through the same shit as you do, because like you said, they have two kidneys, they have a spleen, they're just people like you. So I think that the other thing I was going to say something else, I've already forgotten now, but, uh, <laughs> but those, no, you're right. the, those stories hit so differently and it's not, uh, again, it's, it's that student of life. Where hearing an expert talk for a while is great. Where hearing someone tell that story to get you emotionally invested. And and, and like you said, with, with Dan George, was it? Uh, Dan John. Dan John. Like, <laughs> you didn't even know the episode was going to go that way. And I'm sure everyone tuning in was like, I can't wait to hear what he has to say about strength and conditioning. And, and here you are talking about his family life and uh, what we now know to be is PTSD or, or anything uh, related to that topic, you know, but you hear those stories and it's just one more way to kind of get the message out there. And, and you've been doing an amazing job with that. And we're floating around my hour mark where, uh, you know, the boss, Jeremy gets a little, you know, I, I can go as long as I want to, but I think it, and now he gets a little shaky when, when they're over an hour or so. Um, so I got to keep him happy. It's only the, the second episode back, but I think, a great way to kind of end this one is because the folks that listen to this have 755 episodes of hearing you interview these folks and hearing your part of their story. And 
I know that that has definitely impacted you for the positive. So I can't thank you enough for that. Um, for sure. But if you just want to even, I mean, we can go over Jeremy would just be mad at me, but if you even want to talk about that real quick and how it affected you hearing all these stories or hearing even just one story, you know, feel free, man. It's, 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 it's a good way to finish this, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we'll back to what you said about the perpetual student. That's exactly, exactly how I look at this. That's why I always call myself a conduit. You know, have I learned a lot? You know, do I have some value in my 14 years of firefighter and my, you know, strength and conditioning, all that stuff? Absolutely. But am I an expert? Absolutely not. Which is why, you know, people say, oh, if you do, you, do you do talks? Do you do you visit departments? I'm like, no, because I'm, I'm not an expert in anything. That's why I have a podcast. You can you can listen to this for free. It won't cost you a penny. Um, but yes, when you listen to some of these stories, it, it's I have a lot of people I know that that are either in like the peer support side or they have a podcast or you know whatever realm, but they're listening to these stories. There's a part of this where it's very healing, and I've never had to go to counseling specifically i I think i'm a lot more holistic in what works for me the time by the ocean nature walking my dog you know meditation some other things like that work really well and so but i think these conversations do too as well i think it is counseling honestly you know i'm listening to all these people and getting to interact and share some of my stories if if it's pertinent and makes sense at that point um but you do have to be careful because absolutely it also takes a piece of you. And I, I used the, I wrote a book a couple of years called uh, One More Light. And I used the analogy from the Green Mile, you know, where he's taking on everyone else's pain, Michael Clark Duncan's character. And you do have to offload that or it will kill you. Now, it can be someone else's pain from people that you run on wearing the uniform. It can be someone else's pain if you're constantly a shoulder for one of your friends who's going through it. So that's that self care as well. You have to, you have to make sure that you take care of yourself because it's a very overused analogy, but it just, it fits the whole oxygen mask on a plane. You know, you got to apply it to yourself before you can help someone else. Or I guess in a fire service, you know, you got to mask up to go get someone else that's gone down. So um, that is, you know, so yes and yes. Yes, it's incredibly healing, but yes, you have to watch out, especially when you listen to very, very, heartbreaking stories some people's lives early life especially can can be pretty hard to listen to but um it did allow me i'll just kind of do a quick shameless plug because i'm the podcast is completely free but i did write the book and the whole point was kind of like what i learned so it looks like a biography it's not i've just used stories from my life but each chapter is a takeaway so it might be mental health it might be sleep it might be injury or addiction or you know strength conditioning whatever it is but I use this, the power of story to align with the experts and what I've learned from them so that each, you know, by the time people finish the book, hopefully they'll think about a lot of things in a different way. So that book is called One More Light, uh, Life, Death, and Humanity Through the Eyes of a Firefighter. And I have read it, and it is worth the read for sure. And I had it written on my little notes thing with everything I wanted to talk about today with you that we never got to. So I'm glad you did your shameless plug because I didn't get (laughs) that far. And it was funny because I I was looking for it before we recorded today. And I'm like, where is it? And I have a decent amount of books I I do like to read. I'm like, where is this book? I'm like, I know I read this. This book, it's got to be here. It's somewhere. My engine driver has it because after I finished it, I gave it to him because I was like, bro, you're going to like this one. This is a good one for you. So I got to get it back from Juan at some point or maybe not. Maybe I'll just let him keep it because 
we do share books like that when when you have that. But definitely, definitely check out Behind the Shield podcast on every podcast forum you could think of. You're pretty much on right now. I can't. I can only imagine they're everywhere. Probably ones I've never heard of. So if you do a Google of Behind the Shield, you'll find that. And the website is jamesgearing.com, correct? It is. It is. It's funny, though. If you Google Firefighter Podcast, even with 5 million downloads, it doesn't show up on any of them. So I've got my uh, I got a <laughs> SEO. We're going to have an SEO talk after we <laughs> know, stop recording. Exactly. I know it a little bit about awful. SEO. <laughs> <laughs> but James, man, this has been great catching up with you. Thank you so much for coming on this episode with me of... The Size Up by National Fire Radio. National Fire Radio.